thank you for coming out. Welcome to a lot of uh, some familiar faces in here, some family friends, and a lot of new faces. And I know a lot of basketball fans, Chicago basketball fans, some Patrick Beverly fans. Uh, this Thanks. is this is I think Patrick sets the record now. I think this is his fourth appearance on the Woj Pod in over um, a few years since since he's come into the league. Pat, the last podcast you and I did, it was a little bit warmer outside than this. We were on a boat docked on the lake, and I had to bring my podcast kit with me out into this boat. We, we didn't go out in the water. What, why the hell were we on a boat doing a podcast? You had to make some money. <laughs> That's the easy part, but... uh, uh yeah, we did have a podcast on both. <laughs> did you get, was it a thing like, I remember that, I don't know if you guys remember the show Honorage. There was, uh, they had the scene where they had to do the Rufus, Rufus Home Video Solutions. I think we, I think we hit a couple, whoever owned the boat and their company, we hit it. And then you got like five or six hours of free boat time. <laughs> did, I, did, did I hear something about you not being asked back to use that boat again? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, as a lot of you know here, and uh, Pat is a graduate of John Marshall High School on the west side in Chicago. Was uh, high school All-America. And then got his graduate degree in the School of Basketball Hard Knocks, right? Yeah. The Ukraine, Greece, and Russia before he ever played in an NBA game. And I was just asking you up there about your for, first job. You were declared essentially ineligible at Arkansas at the end of the summer, but you couldn't go in the NBA draft until that next spring. So you had to play somewhere that year. You and your agent, Kevin Bradbury, who helped, I think, put you on that course to kind of build yourself up overseas, come back and play in the NBA. Tell me about what it was like to be a kid in Chicago get on a plane and go to the Ukraine for, for how much? How much that first season in the Ukraine? Uh, it's like uh, 60000 the um, second division also. Uh, I still, I'm still owed like 20000 so. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still looking for them. Uh, <laughs> but, no, uh, I mean, I mean the, the, the dynamic of the uh, – and, I mean, of course, the culture change, that's easy. But uh, the dynamic of, uh, you know, I played overseas, you know, uh, under 19, so I've seen a little bit of it. But, uh, you know, it's different when you're just thrown in the fire. And uh, that's exactly what I was. And, you know, back against the wall, and I came out swinging. The ability, Patrick, to learn to find a role in the NBA, and you played with very different kind of star players. In Houston, you played with James Harden. Now with the Clippers, with Kawhi Leonard, with Paul George, star players love to have role players. And let's right, ninety-five percent of the league are role players, right? There's a few max players, stars, and there's some max players who aren't even really stars, but they're exactly. right. They're paid like it. Uh, what What have you learned about why great players want to play with you? Play with guys. Who play the game the way you do? Because it's authentic, you know. As you you, you you get a mixture of a guy who uh, 
uh, I mean, like Kawhi, I'm a perfect example. Um, Kawhi and James, they, uh, they watch a ton of film. They watch, they, they work in their game. I mean, the most I've ever seen. And I do also. Uh, you know, I've, I might not be as tall as them, fast as them, you know, skilled as them, but you know, when it comes to knowing what's going on in the basketball court, I know exactly what's going on all the time. You know, and, and that's a thing that's, I think, you know, this, this, this helped me with James and Kawhi, but those guys need the ball. And I'm comfortable with that. You know, I'm in a role where, um, my playmaking skills or me, um, uh, with the ball isn't as, um, uh, good as, as, as they are. So now I have to be strategic and I have to be, you know, clever and find ways. How can I get myself going? You know, that's when you lose ego. And that's the, one of the biggest things in the NBA that most guys have ego. They can't lose that. You know, and when they do that, I, I find myself catching up with everybody. I remember when you got the deal in Houston to come. It was during the season. Uh, you were finishing up in Russia. And you come to the Rockets. You, you show up. And I'm hearing about you initially that what and, and people see it now. You're picking up guys, 94 court. You're playing. Um, you are going to as soon as a guy gets off the bus, right? Like you're you're going to start defending them. And the story I'd heard was initially the thought was they were going to send you down to the G League for a little while, and then you they'd bring, maybe bring you back up to Houston. And you started going after Jeremy Lin in those first practices, um, picking him up full court. And it got to the point I was told where they said to you. you he can't get the ball past midcourt. We're destroying his confidence. Can you just, he's on our team. Can you just lay off him a little bit? That, and, and, and I know Mikhail at that point was like, you aren't sending this guy down to G League. Like, he's staying here to play. Like, what do you remember about those first, first days, moments? And I think your mindset was, I'm not going back to Russia. I'm not going back overseas. I think the initial, the initial, uh, you know, decision was, of course, between Houston and Cleveland. Cleveland at the time had Kyrie Irving. And, and Houston at the time, uh, I had Jeremy Lin. There's no discredit to Jeremy Lin. He was coming off a phenomenal season, but just looking at the dynamic, having no ego, being real with myself, being authentic with myself. Uh, if I wanted to beat someone out for a spot, who would I choose? And it added my mom's, she lives in Houston also, so it makes it a little easier. So I chose Houston and, you know, like the things people, the stories that people have are like stories I don't hear until years after. You know, like I just went out there and was just being me. Like I played defense and, you know, I was successful at doing it. And so I just kept doing what was successful. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to change anything. And, you know, it wasn't about uh, breaking anyone's confidence. It was, man, I'm, I'm trying to kick this door in. I, you know, <laughs> I'm trying to stay in this league. Like my life, like everything I, I bet on myself. I'm, I'm a million dollars in the hole already. You know, I done paid all my money to get back to the NBA. I'm, I'm a million dollars. I got to get that back. You know right, what I'm you, saying? You pay so, a buyout to your team, <laughs> yeah. which is really a bet on yourself, yeah, right? so I'm, I'm coming in the league, you know, minus a million dollars already. You know, I get, I'm signing a minimum deal, 200000 one year, 400000 one year. Uh, you know, after taxes, you know. Yeah, I'm you gonna, start doing the math. Yeah. It's like, I'm, <laughs> yeah. how many years am I playing for free here, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, first three years for free. You know, seriously, first three years for free. So, I'm, you know, it's not about uh, – Taking spots, I'm I'm trying to save my life. You know, I got children. I they, they need me. They got to eat, and you know that was my mindset. Um, the way you play the game, the way people watch you play in the NBA, if they were to come see you play in Chicago 
on the playground, in a gym at 12, 14, 16, 17 years old, picking guys up, it, would they have seen you play exactly the same way in this city growing up? Uh, maybe the way this city molds you as a player? Yeah, I, I, I mean, that's right on. And I think that uh, every kid here, it's the same way. You know, it's it's uh, you you have the stories, uh, the the Kendrick Dunn's. I mean, you know, the nuns or whatever the kid name is. That's, <laughs> uh, but you you have those stories where you are you're the underdog and you're 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 placed in a situation where you have to perform all the time against people bigger than you, faster than you. All right, and it's it's it, now it's up to you. You know, it's it's the Chicago thing. It's up to you to try to find. What can I do to be successful? What can I do to, to try to reach those guys? And it's mostly, it's not about basketball. It's everything outside of it. Preparation, being ready. Uh, you know, I might not be as fast as you, but I know what you're going to do. You know, so I, I started to take it and put my potion in. I'm like, man, I'm going to just prepare better than anyone else. I want to be smarter than anyone else. And after, you know, so many times you start to catch those guys, you know, and now it's, you know, I have my own lane, I have my own name in this league and, and I'm, and I'm here to stay. Are there nights in the league, Pat, where Tuesday night in Cleveland, in Sacramento, just in February, where you go pick up the guy you're going to guard that night and you start picking him up full court and he just looks at you and says, Pat, please not tonight. Please don't do I'm not. Do do you ever get that from guys? I I, I get that. I get that feeling the day before. Like, I know exactly who the f I am all the time. And and, and it's not to like, uh, you know, it's not to like, you know, have people laugh or, you know, pat myself on the back. Like, you know, I'm a weapon. I've trained myself to be a weapon. And and I understand I get the same feeling if I'm going to Portland and playing Damian Lillard. Like, no, nah, guys, I'm not going to the movies. I got to get my rest. He's a weapon, you know, and I train myself to be the same way. So if I'm coming into someone's city, someone's town, like, yeah, that weapon, Patrick, is in town. You better get your rest. I, I hear about you at a club. I'm going to catch you. <laughs> You know, and, and, and that's how, I, and that's how I catch guys, you know, and you see, you know, I start here and it's layers and it's layers and next thing you know, you know, I'm, you know, one of the best teams and, you know, I'm, I'm not all oh, Patrick Bradley, he's a playmaker. No, I'm just, I've trained myself for that long to be prepared for this moment right here. Do you like the part of the league now where guys who are competing against each other are, are not just friends, but spend time together during a season will, dap it up when they see each other is that a part of the league like there was a time in the league you wouldn't have seen that like do you feel like sometimes you belong in a different era the way you approach competition the way you approach i think the guys you're competing against yeah no not really i think that uh those guys don't win so they can you know they they can be buddy buddy and they be the ass at home in the summertime which is fine you know that works in my favor so i mean collect as many friends you want to you know, because when it comes down to nitty gritty time, like, are you gonna rip that person's head off? Your brother, the person you go to dinner with, the person that you love so much, the person that you're in this house every day. You know, are you are you willing to rip his head off? I don't think so, but I am all the time. You know, and I'm gonna catch you. <laughs> you know, and that's my thing. Uh, the night that all at once, right? We break the Paul George trade to the Clippers. Kawhi Leonard commits. Um, in free agency, and now the Clippers look are, are a very different team. Now you are, uh, at the very least, a championship contender, probably a, certainly a championship favorite. 
You were aware that night when you were aware when you found out that news. Yeah, I found out from uh, Chandler Parsons, my ex teammate for the Rockets. And you were in Vegas. Vegas. Yep. Uh, Carbone the restaurant. Um, leaving out, uh, Chandler stops me. <laughs> and he's a. I mean, if anyone knows Chandler Parsons, he's he's the funniest guy in the world. And he goes, uh, uh, "You guys just got Paul George." Yeah, I think you're traded. You know, like that. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't hear no woes, nothing. What's going on? <laughs> and then uh, it comes out that we got Kawhi also. And, uh, you know, I'm stoked. I see P.J. Tucker. I get to laugh in his face. <laughs> and Chandler goes, uh, hey, you know, LeBron's in the back. Oh, perfect. You know, <laughs> go to his door, knock on his door. Hey, LeBron, what's up, bro? Hey, Pat. Yeah, pretty much over for you guys now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah i had fun with it but I, I really meant that though you know i really meant that from the bottom of my heart <laughs> i i think um there was a few days later we're at summer league and you know when the veteran when, when star guys come in to hang out in summer league it's a little bit of an entrance i think lebron comes in anthony davis comes in you came in um one day and I think those guys were looking to maybe, you know, Pat, what's up? Didn't I don't remember it happening, right? Like you, you did what? I'm here to watch my team play a basketball game. I'm not here to be a friend. My my young guys, they need me to be a leader. They need that uh, that moral support from me. They need need me to see the mistakes they make, uh, the pats on the back that I need to give them if they do, and if they do something great. I'm not here to make friends. I'm here to get better. I'm here to help my team get better. My young guys need me, and it's a business trip. And people go to Vegas and do all this, and again, you do all that, I will catch you. And you know, and and, and you see it. That slowly, you let your guard down, and and I'm the hunter, and now you become hunted. You know, and that's and that's and that's usually how it happens all the time. This Clipper team, Pat, you've you've had a lot of injuries to different guys. You were out before the break here. Actually, I was wondering. You're in the skills competition tonight. You've won this thing once already. How are the Clippers feeling about you participating in this thing when, you know, like they need you next week to start playing? Pissed. Pissed. (laughs) But, you know, I I told them if this thing, you know, if this thing was anywhere else, if this thing was in New York, Toronto, Miami, even Cali, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I wouldn't participate in it. It's from Chicago, man. I can, I can never let the city down ever in my life. As a kid growing up here, you were you were young. You were a young kid at the end of the Jordan dynasty. What did it mean in this city to to imagine playing at the United Center? To imagine playing where Jordan played, and then you know Derrick Rose, you know obviously uh, comes along as an MVP at twenty one. You were you were already you know further along in your career then. But like, what does it mean in this city to grow up, come back and be a part of an All Star weekend? Um, as an established player and a championship contender, do you ever imagine ever imagine scenario like this? Never. Uh, my last forty eight hours, I've been um, been things in my life that's happened in the last forty eight hours that I've never seen happen before. Never in my million years would I thought the dream, the things that's that's been happening since this All Star break. I met Barack Obama the first time last night. You know, like you know, like so. I, like I'm, I'm just not a kid. Like uh, 
you know, and it's no discredit from anyone from the suburbs, but I'm I'm not a kid from like you know the NBA player who claims Chicago who who's from the suburbs, uh, and and the NBA player who claims Chicago who's from I don't know uh, Waukegan or Indiana yeah. or something. You know? <laughs> like, and it, I'm from the the dirt of Chicago. Like I, the, you know, my my friends that I have in Chicago, I don't know if, and I come home somewhere if some of them still be alive. Like I'm from. The Chicago, Chicago. I bleed Chicago. You know, I stand for everything in Chicago. So, last All Star was 32 years ago. I'm 31. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, everything's here is a dream come true. Everything. Well, the last couple of days when you come here, you see your, your mom's here tonight. Family, friends. Uh, I know you spent some time with them. What what is what have you heard seen about what it means to everybody else to have you representing? You're here, obviously, representing the Clippers, and you're representing yourself, but you're representing, like, the dream of a lot of kids in this city um, to to be to, to do what you've done, to still dream about doing what you've done, and you know they're going to look at you tonight out there. They're going to look at you, obviously, in a postseason and uh, chasing a championship in a way that you looked at guys growing up here. I think it's all about you know inspiration and inspire. You know, unfortunately for me. Um, I didn't have anyone that you know I looked up to growing up uh, for that had guidance and for inspiration. You know, a mom and it's no discredit to you know mothers out here, but a mom can only take you so far. You know, and as a father, I understand that. But um, I've never had anyone I can see that looks like me from the area that I'm from that I was inspired by that I wanted to be like that. Besides the obvious drug dealers, you know, so. When I get in a situation, I'm like, no, nah, I can help out. And it's not about helping out with money. It's not about helping out with anything. The best help that you can give kids, you know, only love they know is T-I-M-E, time. You know, that's how they spell love. You spend you spend enough time with someone, you, you know. So my thing is anytime, no matter what city I'm from, I'm going to that inner city and I'm spending time with them. I'm talking to them. I'm, you know, showing them the right ropes because, you know, I had to learn the hard way. And I, I wouldn't change my way from getting to where I got to, but I wouldn't want the next kid to, to go through what I went through because that's hard. It's hard. Pat, great great stuff. We are going to bring out Ryan Rosillo, Jackie McMullen, and have uh, a broader NBA conversation here. So uh, sit tight, guys. We'll be back here in a, in a few moments. Bring out Ryan and Jackie. Thank you. Thanks, Pat. In the meantime, I've got a couple, a couple of our sponsor reads. Let me, let me say this too. Like, we get asked to, to, we're lucky to have a lot of great sponsors through the year on the podcast. But when, when I got a call from our producer and he said, Five Hour Energy wants to, Five Hour Energy Drink wants to, uh, sponsor the show. And, and like we're starting it in like trade deadline week. I'm like, you have no idea how many of those things I gulp down like. I'll tell you one before every game. Go. Before every game. Five, no. Five-hour energy, I take one before oh. every game. Oh, you do? Last, I don't know, four or five years. Every game. Just one? Nah, just one. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, I imagined, like, I got a box of them. Imagine you plowing through a box of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, anybody who travels frequently, 
knows how tiring that can be. Pat does all over, all over the league. But listen, let me tell you, trade deadline, draft time of the year, free agency, it is, uh, you're looking for an edge to stay, at some point, just stay awake, be able to still pronounce, be able to pronounce words. So whether you're on business or vacation, a five hour energy shot can help you stay alert and energized wherever you may be headed. Five hour energy helps you get through your crazy on the go life with zero sugar, four calories, and a convenient portable size. It's the perfect pick me up for busy, hardworking people. Just like Pat Bev, right? Yep. Now it comes in two extra strength tropical tastes, strawberry banana, tropical burst. I plowed through, I plowed through those too. Uh, and, and they are delicious and they can take you on a tropical, take you to a tropical on the go experience. I'm just trying to take it on to sports center some nights and with my eyes open. So certainly the tropical on the go part of it is, is a bonus. So try them both. Then go to online to shop the number five hourenergy.com and use the code word Woj to receive a one time offer of 10% off your order. So go to shop5hourenergy.com and use the code word, use the code Woj to receive a one-time offer of 10%. Five-hour energy on the go. And one more. Sometimes for inspiration, you just have to look up. For more than 60 years, the Goodyear blimp has fueled greatness on the gridiron by providing aerial coverage of some of the most legendary moments in college football history. See, I could imagine you as a college football player. At Arkansas, did they ever try to get you out there? No? No. Basketball. Can you play quarterback for the Bears? No. No. (laughs) I'm still looking for Cutler, man. Yeah, all right. (laughs) When the Goodyear blimp rises above a stadium and inspires players to reach higher and rise to the challenge of the game's biggest moments, now is your time to go further with Goodyear. Discover tires made to rise above the rest. Learn more at Goodyear.com. Goodyear, more driven. All right, so we're going to bring out Jackie McMullen, Ryan Rossillo, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk some more. All right. I, I, get, I have to get up with you. Very cozy in here. I uh, I almost want to back not to jump Woj's deal here. J- jump it, jump it right. But Chandler Parsons is one of the coolest dudes of all time, as <laughs> Pat was saying. And I remember one day we were out during the day. He had some of his friends. It's my first time ever hanging out with him. And you know I used to bartend a long time. And Chandler bought a round. And I was like, hey, let me get the next one. And Parsons goes, hey, Rosillo, how much left does does Memphis owe me? And I went. <laughs> I think it's like seventy-five million. <laughs> he goes, "I'll get this round too." <laughs> so Chandler, I swear. That's when uh, you order the, like the Don Julio or something. I was like, you know what? You're right. I'm going to just put this card away. <laughs> so you guys know Ryan Rosillo's uh, the Ryan Rosillo podcast on the Ringer. Used to work with us at ESPN, and, and you never know. You We've never almost know forgiven to... him. Almost. Yeah. Uh, to me, one of the like real, I think like real success stories in our business, guys who just like 
never took no for an answer. Just it is hard to go into ESPN and start at the very bottom and just work your way up and force yourself on air because you're just better than everybody else and create an identity that he has for himself. It's hard to do it the way Ryan did it. Uh, he, he to me is one of the again one of the great success stories in our business. He's he's podcast gold. Like I have out of the hundreds of I've probably done two hundred and ten twenty podcasts. I think the most listened to pods, I think two of the three are with Ryan. And once we were on a cell phone, you were on a cell phone, and it was not a great connection. I I took a lot of heat for that. So um, people want to hear you. And then Jackie McMullen, who is really one of the legends of our industry, one of my idols, one of the people that I've looked up to my whole career, trailblazer. Covering the this Celtics, is all news to me. Yeah, no, <laughs> I can't tell you. When I was a young reporter, I'd go to a game, I'd go to an NBA game, and like they they have your name on press row, and I'd see Jackie McMullen's name next to mine, and like you know, I'm like I was one of the first times I felt like, hey, like maybe like my career is going in the right direction. Like I'm in the section that Jackie McMullen is sitting in. So, uh, you know, Trailblazer, Boston Globe is a is a. Uh, NBA beat writer, a columnist, Sports Illustrated, best-selling author, and really one of the and, and I it's true for all three of these one of the great bull meters reader readers of bull that I've ever <laughs> known. You cannot bull Jackie McMullen. She's going to call you on it. It's what makes her fearless and 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 yet somebody with great empathy and can get people to open up, talk. Uh, so really pleased to have three. I'd like to do your book, Wudge. Ah. <laughs> I feel like I want to now. Yeah, yeah. Well, three of the, I, I think, just originals in our industry. Pat's an original, Ryan and, and Jackie. So let, let, let's talk some ball. Let's start here with, and we talked a little bit about it with Pat, like from the summer, from that night that Pat Bev is running around Carbones chasing LeBron down in the private like room, like this Clipper-Laker thing was on. What, what if, let, let me start with, with Jackie what have you seen with these two teams so far? And, and is this how you imagined what they were going to look like here now? We're at All-Star break. Well, the thing that's so cool is you share the building. That's just – it's unprecedented, really, because the Clippers could never hold up their end in terms of sharing the building. And I was in L.A. Two, two, a couple weeks ago. went to both – you both you had two games, they had two games. I went to all four games – and each time I said to, you know, people from the Lakers, so, you know, what about the Clippers? They're like, oh, no, no. It will be anybody but them. We'll make sure of it. And then I went to your games, and behind the scenes, same thing. Oh, no. Not on our watch. It's not going to be the Lakers. So there's a, there is a real palpable feel to this rivalry. It's awesome. It's such a great thing to have in the league. And the fact that you're in the same building and that – there could, you know, I think we're all expecting and hoping that the two of you are going to play each other. I mean, I can't wait. I really can't wait. I would go if if you gave me a best of twenty one with you two, just start playing in mid May and play through the end of June. Like we'd all watch it, right? Yeah. I like going back to the pursuit of it all this summer because, as I was like, you know, look, I'm not Woj, I'm, I'm not Jackie when it comes to that stuff. But over the years, talking to people, hosting different draft things, and you're like, all right, let me make some calls on, on the Kawhi thing. And the best information I got was from one GM who I'm not going to say. It was basically like anybody that tells you they know what Kawhi's doing is totally full of Like this guy is so different. He's so wired in a way. Like 
And that those last few days where all of a sudden there was like this mysterious Lakers leak and then it was kind of assumed that maybe Magic was telling people like, yeah, we locked this thing up. Yeah. And then he was registering his kid at school in Toronto, which is like my favorite fake rumor of all time, yeah. following where kids are taking classes. Yeah, yeah here, here's, a, here's a way to guarantee you're going to be wrong on a story. Real estate and school registration. Right. Like when you start chasing that, guaranteed you're going to so be So in Boston, drunk. that's all we're doing with Tom Brady. He was in Nashville. He must be going there. And no, it's it's great. I bought a house being in Stanford, in West Hartford when I was yeah. in Bristol, and I was I was eating at a restaurant bar, and a guy's like, you know, Peyton Manning just bought a house in our neighborhood. I'm like, why would he buy a house in West Hartford to do Monday Night Football? <laughs> like, he doesn't have to do that. But the point is, is that once Kawhi, <laughs> in sifting through all of it, it just felt like Pat that Kawhi didn't he didn't want to do the Lakers thing with somebody else. And I, I don't know if that's anything that you can open up with us about, but that he was like, no, nah, I'm going to go do this Clippers thing. And once George was there, once all you guys were there, that it just felt like he kind of wanted to make his own mark. Yeah, I mean, he's, uh, like you, like you mentioned, he's very different. Uh, and I've been around, I've been around superstars, all stars, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's, he's everything. He's everything you guys think of and some. He is legit. He, uh, he takes his game very serious. He takes his body very serious. He takes his craft, his preparation, his diet. He's, it's a crazy story out here. Uh, he goes to uh, meet the doctor, and they're talking about his vitamin, uh, you know, A, B, C, D. And he goes to the doctor <laughs> like, yeah, I have enough of that. Yeah, I have enough of that also. Yeah, I don't need this drink. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. He knew his vitamin yeah, levels? It, it's crazy. Right. So... I want to ask about that because we, from the outside looking in, we don't, you know, load management is a loaded word. And it really, I think Kawhi has an injury. I almost don't think we should be calling it load management because I do think he has a knee or a thigh or something over there that is, well, because I don't think we really know, uh, that is going to be a problem f- forever, probably on and off. That's probably true of all of you to some degree, right? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not in the medical. Right. Uh, but what I want to ask you is, um, <laughs> It seems to me that you guys have no problem with how it's being handled, and yet it's a it's a big there's a big fear around it. How do you guys feel about that? Uh, it's good. You don't mind it. Don't mind it at all, and okay. it, it, it forces us uh, to be even more prepared against you don't play. Right. Right. And uh, guys have to step up, and you know it's not going to be like that in the playoffs. We know, but uh, it gives right. chance, it gives guys other chance to build confidence, and get a rhythm going, and I think you know more people playing the team throughout the year. I mean, Playoffs, it should be easy. Have you played enough together, Patrick, as a group? Right. I mean, you haven't even played with Marcus Morris yet. Um, but but the broader group, has it been together enough for you to have a sense of what this team will look like, what it will be capable of in the postseason, and if you're healthy, which is still a question, right? Like, if you're going to have your guys available when you get into that game 5, 6, 7 against whoever it's going to be, Lakers, Nuggets, Rockets, in the postseason? No, I, I, I have a lot of confidence in our training staff. They've been doing a hell of a job. I mean, you really can't, you know, this game, you really can't, yeah. you know, run away from injuries. But we're going to win. I mean, we just don't know how. You know, that's the thing. Yeah, We don't know how. We don't know. You know, the championship is a house. You don't know if you're going to win in this. You don't know if you're going to go through the front door, back door. A lot of cases, the side roof. I don't know. The, whatever. But we're going to win. We just have to uh, find a way and Doc's, Doc's going to make sure that happens. So Doc is, um, when I was there, I talked with Doc for quite a while, and there was a, a lower level of frustration because because you don't have all the pieces. He looks at it as a coach. So he's like, you know, I think Paul and um, Kawhi have only played 
24 games or it's a small number. And publicly, you know, Doc's like, no, no big deal. But privately, he's like, okay, well, yeah, of course I, I'm concerned about this a little bit. And he said, I'm concerned because roles shift just a little bit. But he, he, he mentioned you in my conversation. He said, but Pat will take care of that. What did he mean by that? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure everyone's prepared no matter what. Um, I'm going to make sure guys are locked in all the time. I'm going to make sure. And, and this is this is not, you know, this is the G League guy, and this is Kawhi Leonard. Right, right, exactly. You know, yeah. it's, it's no difference with me. I'm here to win basketball games, and that's it. I'm I'm not here to play around, and I'm not here to, you know, make friends. I'm here to win basketball games. That's it. I when, think that makes sense. When I watch when the three of you have played, when it's been Paul, Kawhi, and yourself, I don't know that I've, I've seen, at least in a team right now, um, as everybody wants all these interchangeable parts, especially defensively, you you three guys can switch in ways that I don't think any other team really can. I remember the Celtics game at your place, watching some of that, the LeBron game where you should call it the Pat game, not just because you're here, but you got him at the end on that block to the right side. Yeah, right. Like, How do you look at that dynamic and how, like how different is that and how is that communication maybe different in other experiences that you've had because you're you're paired with two unbelievable perimeter guys defensively i think that's a, that's our challenge at times and i think at times we can be we can be really good defensively and at times we can we can just be awful sometimes but it's all the will why well, how does the awful part happen uh, and that's awful the part, part doc was talking yeah, about right. that was the frustration that doc has it's, it's the lack of you know, and it's not one certain thing because it's, it's different things every night. You know, tonight, this night it might be lack of communication. This night it might be lack of physicality. This night it might be lack of, uh, you know, intelligence. Is it because you just know you guys are that good and you're waiting? <laughs> it's, I promise you. And I, and, you know, I hope L. Frank's not here right now, but he killed me. I, I, I think he's here. Okay. <laughs> but I, I remember, you know, me and L talk and this, you know, we have a team for the underdogs and, and guys who've, uh, who've really been through pressure times in life not only basketball just life you know hard knocks as he mentioned and you and you put all that and all those type of guys i mean we got six seven guys like that and you put them in the playoffs pressure is nothing in the playoffs i mean that's why trez and lou and sham and myself and jermichael green that's why we played so well against golden state because the pressure oh that's nothing we, we want that and you add all that up you know you take that dynamic of your game and push it up to another level and add Kawhi and paul george to it I mean, we don't even know yet. You know, we know we're, we're real good, but like it's another layer of like, like we can be really, really good. I'm talking like four one everybody, and then it, the summertime hits and guys are like, oh yeah, we told you they were legit. You know, but you know we just weeding away, weeding our way till we get to that point. So what is it like for you when you when you know the Lakers? You're going to play the Lakers. You're again in the same building. You probably see each other guys around town occasionally, right? You you know you know these guys. You're friendly with some of them. You can you're friendly enough with LeBron to knock on his door and diss him a little bit after the signing. But like it feels to me when those games are being played right now, they're pretty playoff intensity already. Yeah, uh, we're locked in. We know exactly who uh, who who they are, and uh, we're here to win a basketball game. We're not here to put on a show. I think it was our our home game. Exactly, yeah. it was our home game, and. Uh, when I mean home game, it's the Clippers home game. They, you know, put the Clippers stuff on the floor at Staples. And, uh, and, uh, they have one weight room, a little small weight room. And, uh, I go in there and JaVale McGee, he's, uh, you know, in the weight room. And I'm like, <laughs> no, take his phone off. 
This is our jam. <laughs> Out you go. It's our music. Right? He's he, he going to listen to what we listen to. If not, he can get out. You know, yeah. like, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and that's been our, that's been our, you know, that's been our mindset. You know, now we know why Doc loves you so much. No, wait. So I got to ask, have you ever been in the weight room when their home game? Yeah. And what happens? They play in your music? I just, you know, I don't even want to get to that point. I just lifting my own little locker room thing. So yeah. I don't even have to, you know, break it's my concentration. An, it's, it's a really unusual dynamic though, right? You know what I, I like now is like one of the rules I, and Jackie probably backed me up here, but being from Massachusetts, we just assume everything else sucks without ever going there. It <laughs> <laughs> might be a like, small LA, that today. sucks. Have you ever been there? No. Um, <laughs> we just assume in the Northeast that we take it more seriously, that we care more. We're the most passionate fans and all these We're different things. We're more physical. Right, right. All, the, all of this yeah. stuff. And then, you know, hey, you start making a little money, start traveling a little bit. You're like, you know what? Some other places are really great, too. Um, Chicago's really passionate. But the L.A. basketball thing, for anybody that's in the Midwest or Northeast or South and thinks, oh, it's just L.A., it's beaches and all this stuff, it is as intense as any thing else in this country. Yankees, Red Sox, whole thing. Not obviously the same history, but it doesn't get enough credit nationally. And me being there almost two years, now I, I get it that it's just you can't just act as if Showtime is this this fair weather deal because it's not. It's three sixty five. Well there's so much riding on your franchise in particular. Let's be honest. Okay? The Lakers have history, they have banners, they have Hall of Famers. You guys are a newer, you know, well, you're not a newer franchise, but you are to me. You've been reinvented. You have new ownership, and the past ownership was a major problem. Yeah. And you guys had to, the Clippers, not necessarily you, had to fight through that. So, how much is, I mean, how much of the chip is real? Chip meaning. Well, so like Jeannie Buss in a private moment, who I think it was someone reported, it said, well, this is always going to be a Laker town. Oh, it is. And it, it, right. it, it will always be a Lakers town. Even if you win, even if if we win, so how does that feel? You will get booed at our parade. (laughs) (laughs) He's right. I mean, I'm serious. That's the that's the truth about it. So how do you feel about that? Makes it even that much, right? Yeah. (laughs) I told I told I told our our, our head security Bob. I told him, man, listen, you might. I'm not taking my. Jersey off every day. <laughs> I'm running around that city crazy, man, after we get in the shift. So, yeah, but it will always be a Laker town for sure. Uh, going back, Ryan mentioned the summer. And, hey, listen, we've seen the way player movement has changed this league. And, and think of, Pat, how you ended up with the Clippers, essentially a sign-and-trade, right? Chris Paul essentially tells the team, um, if you don't do a sign-and-trade for me and get something back for me, I'm just going to leave – and free agency, you're not going to get anything for me. And so the Clippers make the trade, and what do they get back? They get you, they get Montrez Harrell, they get Lou Williams, which become the core of the team that you go out and essentially sell to Kawhi and Paul George, and that's how your team is built. But that's I don't want to cut you off, but and that's what I'm just trying to show everyone out here. The, the just that simple of what I talked about, regardless of the name, it could be Chris Paul, it can be anybody. The the ego. If if you don't do this, I'm gonna do this. Like, you disrespect the game, it will come back to get you. Like, no matter what. Like, it's a life. It's a life of balance. Like anything you do in life, you guys work nine to five. You come in a job, and if I don't do this, um, I want this to happen. Usually, it doesn't work in your favor, you know. And it worked out for us, and it worked out really well for us, you yeah. know. And usually, that's how it goes, you know. Hmm. We are used now to a whole different – like, just look at last week, and I know Jackie's been in Philly a little bit lately. In one day, and, and Ryan was talking about this in his pod and, and, and the Rusilla podcast 
like Jimmy Butler says something on Instagram, Joel Embiid responds. He's like, hey, we got a team that embraces villains and Joel says, yeah, you're right. Damn straight. You know, like, and now shoulder be- shrug emoji, I think. Yes. Right. So now it becomes, you know, Joel's on a stretch where he's not played well. And now he's talking about, and of course, there's no way for him to get to Miami. We always forget that part. Like he's just going to pack up and go play yeah, for the right. heat. There's no other mechanism. You Leonard miles. And then, and then the next, Leonard. right. Yeah. And then the next night he comes out, plays great. They win against, um, us. against you. And now he's, now he's posting, hey, Philly's, it's my city. I'm back. And like, it's just normal in the league. Like we go, some of us who covered it go, wow, how do you, and you get to the point now where you just go, like that part of it now is just become normal. Um, th- does it impact the locker room? Does it impact the way you guys look at each other when there's so much conversation about what's coming next? Where everyone's going versus what we're trying to do right now in this league, like like trying to win tonight's game. Uh, for the weak-minded, yeah. For uh, for 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 p- players who have losing mentalities, yes, you can get away with that. But you come into a locker room with a team, you know, who wants to win. The dynamic is very different. Like, come on, bro, we don't want to hear that. Lock in, lock in. Zip, zip, zip. That's all done over there. You know, like. Move on. Let's play basketball. We're here to play basketball. We're here to win games and play basketball. It's, it's plenty of ways you can be very strategic and fans and getting everybody corralled and have on your side. It's very strategic in two ways, but you know it's and it's 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 one way and it's the right way. Jackie, when you were covering the Celtics, Lakers, the great Sixer teams in the '80s, and a player was upset about role, the GM, too damn his bad. teammates. No, really. Too bad. I mean, it really was like that. And players back then, and I give LeBron a lot of credit for the player empowerment that exists in the NBA today. And like or dislike LeBron, one thing that I appreciate about LeBron is when I say player empowerment, in each case, he never forced his way out. He finished his contract. So he has the right as a player, as a free agent. You know, he would opt out early or what have you. But he 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 has never been a guy that's forced to trade to move on to his next place. I have respect for for that. I have a little less respect for people that, you know, shoot their way out. But back in the day, like I remember, I remember once there was Larry Bird had a contract, you know, coming up, and uh, and and we didn't even know really back then with how much the contracts were worth. Like it just it was a very different league, and it was very heavily owner. Controlled. It, the players had very few rights, it felt like. And I remember he actually came in late for media day. And he wasn't like that. He was a guy that showed up. But he came, he came in late because he was mad. He was mad that the negotiations weren't going the way he wanted. And um, Jan Volk was the GM that time. And, and someone said, well, where's Larry? Because he's supposed to be here. And, he, and Jan Volk made a huge mistake. And he said, I don't know. Well, by the time Larry landed, they used to have two-a-days. And I went to the second two-a-day because I was new and young and scared, so I went to everything. So I went to the second two-a-day, and I asked him about it, and he went off like I had never seen him before. And he said, I will only deal with Red Arback from now on. But never once did he say, I want out of here, I'm going to go, because even though he was Larry Bird, he wasn't going anywhere. Free agency was different. There wasn't player movement. And the one thing that every player of that generation wanted was to begin and end their career in one place. That was the standard that everybody wanted to live by. And, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was a, was a notable exception, but 
Irvin Magic Johnson played for one team his entire career. So did Larry Bird. Um, Kobe Bryant did. And, and I know you had the same experience that I did. There was a time when Kobe was unhappy with the Lakers. I'm in my car. Like, I need to buy a dress for a party. And I'm in my car for 40 minutes and listen to Kobe tell me he wants to be traded. And I'm thinking, that's fine, dude, but you're not going anywhere. Well, he... You know, you really. Talk, you mentioned Kobe and... No, for I, real. I remember having... Um, Dinner with him down in Newport Beach at yeah. Javier's. That was a place he'd like to go. Right. You'd, you'd his, go meet him. That was his office. Right. And I remember him one night telling me, well, first, I think the Lakers are going to amnesty me. Jim Buss doesn't want me anymore. He's going to dump my contract. He's going to amnesty me. I'm going to go to the Knicks. We'll hire Phil Jackson. I'm going to play for Phil. I was like, Kobe, they're, they're not going to yeah. amnesty you. They will burn this city down. That's not happening. No. Nope. He was He was sure of it. He was sure of it. And I was like, this is the dumbest conversation I've ever had with anybody. Is no. You're not getting amnestied by the Lakers. But he had it in his head for a while. Well, he did. And isn't it interesting? Think about it. One of the greatest players that ever lived and who came to embody the Lakers in, in the most positive ways for whatever reason, as great as, you, as he was, and he was great, even he had moments, seeds of doubt. Yeah. And the, other, the other one with him, too, was – the idea of going to the Clippers and Jerry West brought it up right. in the aftermath of Kobe's passing about him having to talk Kobe out of signing with the Clippers. And another thing he said, there was a time where the Clippers, when Sterling owned them, where they'd play a few games a year down in Orange County, I think at the Toyota, whatever that right. arena is there. Anaheim, yeah. In Anaheim. And there was some talk about maybe the team moving down there. And Kobe said to me, if the team moved down there, I would have signed with the Clippers. I'm like, why? And he said, the commute. The shorter commute. I said, wait a minute. You would have, essentially, you were going to leave the Lakers and go to the Clippers for a shorter commute. He said, yes. And that was a time where he would take, he would take that helicopter from Orange County. He would land on that Ritz Carlton that's right by Staples Center. I think you could land on the roof. He landed somewhere around there. And he hated that drive. He hated that traffic. And he would take the helicopter all around. Now, I don't know in the heart of hearts if Kobe ever was really going to go, but it was, um, even the guys who did stay their whole career in a place, it, it is a, it's rare that, hey, Tim Duncan nearly came oh, Tim to Duncan, Orlando very Magic. Close to going very, to Orlando very close, Magic. Doc Rivers. But think about it. I mean, you guys were in Chicago. Michael Jordan did not begin and end his career in Chicago. I still can't believe it, but we all just like to, I mean, I would like to forget those Washington years because I covered them, and no disrespect to Mike, but. I actually think those are like, a cementing of his legacy that last season when he played like he played every game right. but, the, but that was, was like the last 30 40 game like it, it wasn't so fun before that when I you look know? at the minutes and the points and the field goal percentage yeah. it was like the previous year he was like oh I made a mistake okay well now yeah. I'm going to kill you guys not that the team was great or anything but you look yeah. back on those numbers they're good I, but I want to follow up on something you said here because you're talking about the player empowerment thing that I've been kind of on and just fascinated about because I don't know that I have the right answer. Like, I don't know what's right. I don't know the balance of it because sometimes I think about, like, younger people in my industry and, you know, being at ESPN 10 and then, you know, almost 14 years and you meet younger people coming up and they would ask you advice and you'd be like, okay, well, what do you want to do? And they'd be there two years doing a podcast going, you know, I'd like to maybe be on pregame Monday Night Football. Are you, like, did you go through the drug testing policy here? Because, like, that's, like, that's so delusional. But then sometimes, like, when I think about younger people that are trying to make their mark and they don't want to wait in line the way I know I waited in line because that's just the way I looked at it. So when players do stuff 
Patrick and I think, okay, well, you know, if Carl Anthony Towns, we don't know that's going to happen because now he has his buddy D'Angelo Russell playing with him. But the rumors, the, the stuff going on, like, is this guy in year one of a five-year extension actually going to demand out? Like, is that is that just him calling his shot? Because I think younger people generationally would say, hey, do your own thing. It was the Celtics' fault. It was those guys' fault in the 80s that they didn't realize their power. And I think there is this line that you can try to figure out, like, what is the right call to make and realizing your own power and saying, this is my life and I want to take it over. And then the line that I do think some players can cross where it's like, you just signed a deal. And, like, I got to know Steven Jackson when he did that one extension where he wanted to trade out immediately. And I interviewed him. I'm like, did you ask for a trade, like, a week after you did the extension? <laughs> and he hung up on me on a phone. <laughs> so Sounds like Jack. <laughs> I, I offer these up knowing that I don't really know the answer, but it's just some feel like the right call and some feel like the wrong call. Uh. <laughs> Okay, I'm, I'm you're a, different though. No, I'm know? gonna stay. I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay with the Carl Anthony Towns uh, situation. Okay, you have him with uh, Jimmy. Doesn't work. Okay, uh, someone has to go. Jimmy leaves. Fine. Uh, you get the extendo. You play well. Whatever. You lose. Your team is awful. <laughs> but now you get you get D'Angelo Russell, right? So. What happens now if that doesn't work, right? And and that's the thing that I think that GMs they get they get caught in limbo sometimes because, um, you know, sometimes you have to pay pay people a lot of money who who aren't really that that good. When I mean that good, I mean like skilled, yes, you know, talent, yes, but can you impact the game, winning? And I think when the GMs change that dynamic. You will change the See, NBA. Now now you're really speaking to me because I think right now we have in this league, and it's really happened the last couple of years when you look at usage rates and efficiency, and I'm not just talking about like the analytics of it, but we have a lot of players in this league that I think put up amazing numbers that... Trash. <laughs> so... Do you guys talk about, do you talk, like, and I, I'm not trying to, like, beat up on Towns here, because I mean, let, let's not forget, like, when they do those preseason GM surveys, a couple years ago, Towns was the number one pick to start your franchise around. That is the wrong answer. And we learned it now with more evidence. But with guys that take, you know, 10 threes a game or get calls, like, how well can you and the guys that know this game like go, okay, Fair these are out. the real dudes, yeah. and these are the dudes that, like, mean nothing. Like, we call this game shenanigans. List? Shenanigans. Yeah. It's an easy call. I mean, you, you take anyone in this room right here, and you tell them, "Listen, man, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you two hundred million dollars, and uh, you know, you're going to be in Minnesota, so it's going to be cold, but <laughs> but you can shoot the ball anytime you want. Uh, you don't have to work. You don't have to work on uh, worry about winning. Uh, literally, you can do anything you want. Uh, nothing to happen. Uh, these people average thirty also. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just a so like, you guys, you guys so know, like, like let's it just feels take, like it's happening so more like, and more. It's so let more. me ask you this: so I'm curious about this because we're, we're we'll stay on the Timberwolves, but let's go to Andrew Wiggins. Puts up big numbers. They haven't won anything either. But I would argue. So he's. I was surprised how young he was. He's 24. Yeah, he was young when he came in. He's like really young, and so now he's been traded to a place where the culture is great, where the winning has been paramount. He's surrounded by w- veterans that know how to win, and veterans like Draymond Green, who will push him if he doesn't do what he thinks he should do, much like you do for your team, like Marcus Smart does in Boston, all the glue guys. And so, when you saw that trade, did you say, "Well, why is he trading for Andrew Wiggins?" Because 
like where like doesn't he deserve i guess i'm what i'm i'm worried about like these guys are so young when they come in shouldn't we allow them to grow a little bit yeah maybe they make mistakes maybe you're in an environment where they need you to take that many shots and and the big knock on him is he doesn't defend but do we give up on these guys too early it feels a little bit to me like we do no i think that the, the media sets a standard for these guys okay and when they fall the media switches out the safety net <laughs> and then you have people who are going to be real about it, who's actually now, you know, telling the truth as the player is right now. And now it's like, oh, man, you might have been right. Like, no, just let the kid blossom. Let him work on his craft. Yeah, they're terrible. They might be terrible for the last four or five, the next four or five years. But you, you have to go through your, you have to go through your, your, you know, your storms. And, you know, that's the case. Yeah. So, and I think with Wiggins, right? Okay. He was the number one overall pick in the draft. And when you're number one overall, there's an expectation that you're going to be able to carry a franchise. Not every number one pick is going to be able to do that. He clearly couldn't do that in Minnesota. And yeah. so now he goes to Golden State, and they don't see him as the number one overall pick. They don't see him as right. the guy we had a tri- we got for in the Kevin Love deal. They just see him as maybe a souped-up version of Harrison Barnes in a, on a team that won 73 games. And... Like, they don't need him to be the first option, the second option, the third option. Maybe he's the fourth or fifth option. And now I just think the burden for a player, like, you eventually find your role and who you are. Eventually, it doesn't matter where you got picked. Um, like, no one thinks of you as, what, 42nd pick in the draft, caught out of yeah, training camp. Yeah. Right? Traded oh, to Miami, Miami, released. Like, I always, I remember Eric Spolster told me this, like, you think of regrets I had him on a podcast with Doc and Spo, and we were talking about regrets. And I know one of them he said was cutting you because you fit. You were born to play for the Miami Heat, right? Mm-hmm. And and he knew that. They realized it. And then once they lost you, you know, they, they didn't get you back. But like, think about Markel Fultz. Like, why was everybody so like the, the spotlight was so bright on Markel Fultz for for the injury he had? Maybe that was part of the confusion, but like. The Sixers moved on from him, maybe to save him. I don't even know. But, like, why did we already decide that Markel Fultz was a bust? He hasn't even been in the league long enough. He hasn't played long enough. And now he's really in a great system with a really good coach that's been very, very patient with him. And now we're seeing him emerge. Now, maybe he's not a number one pick. Yeah, but you're right. He's going to play years, you know? Yeah, but it's like it just seems these definitive um, proclamations about young players seem grossly unfair to me. Okay, so if we went, you're gonna think you want to get back on the towns here, but like if we put Anthony Davis's just stats across the board, put Joel Embiid's across the board, put Towns' numbers across the board, but like when you're talking with with Kawhi or Paul George or, or obviously Montrez, you know, in the matchup stuff, like do you guys go, yeah, I know what the stats are, but like this dude is here, and it's these two, or these two dudes are here, and then it's this dude. Like you guys separate them, I imagine, all, all much, the time. So how would you look at those three guys? Uh, Towns and Bead and um, Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they all score a lot of points. They all score a lot of rebounds. But you put them in a cage with Montrezl Harrell, he, <laughs> he will eat all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 they know it. That's the thing. Like they know it also. And it's not That's you know here to downplay anybody. Case. Those guys. Which are, bigs do you like? Uh, <laughs> no, I like Embiid. It depends on what Embiid that you get. You know, you want the shooting the three big or you want the beast, you know. But, like, Tres, he's not going to shoot threes. He's going to dunk on you every single time. 
Every time he has a chance, I'm going to put this ball through the rim really hard every single time. Yeah, like Embiid was mad because they'd gone through all their stuff in that game before you guys. Yeah. And you can yeah. see the first few possessions, you're like, oh, okay. Like, this dude's here tonight. And I, yeah. I love his talent. I, I would put Towns at a distant third now uh, with those two guys. But, all right, you like Montrez. That's cool. We've all had our share of bad breakfast. Beige, plastic-wrapped, brick-shaped protein bars, day-old break room donuts frozen breakfast trays not exactly our finest moments but now that the mcchicken breakfast sandwiches are on the mcdonald breakfast menu we should never go back to those old sad breakfasts the mcdonald's mcchicken is a breakfast worth getting up for it's time to change your life for breakfast buttery crispy mcchicken biscuits and savory sweet chicken mcgriddles freshly prepared and now available nationwide at McDonald's. That's how you wake up breakfast. At participating McDonald's for a limited time. We're in Chicago. This is an all-star weekend with with the backdrop of the Bulls. You grew up uh, with the Bulls. There were times you had an opportunity, I think, coming back from Europe. There were, there were some chances where you, if something breaks a little different, you might have played for the Bulls already in your career, right, Pat? I mean, I came, I worked in the summertime with the Bulls, I don't know, two, three years in a row. Vinny Del Negro uh, he told me I didn't play defense. <laughs> but these these are the people, these are the people who are running and coaching organizations. Like, like seriously, and that's the problem. And, I, and that's, that's the real problem, man. And these people go on and get GM jobs and control teams, and you guys wonder why teams aren't so bad. Is it for for you when you 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 you're, you're worried about the Clippers? This is like right? so fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's the truth. That, that's right. what it is. It's just the truth. It's the truth that people don't know. Like the dynamic that fans don't know, and they can only assume. So of course, when you assume, you make an ass out of you and me. You know. So so if you can only assume, then you're going off assumptions that you think that it's real. And you know, next thing you know, this person thinks it's real. Added on what the media is doing and. I don't know. Now you got, you know, superstars who aren't superstars and, you know, and now you all-stars. You're like, man, how did he make an all-star thing? Like, you know, this is just how it is now. So let's just stick with Chicago for a minute because they've had some injuries. Sorry, guys. Carter. Like, I wish Wendell Carter could play a full year because I think he's good. I think he's really good. And I think Chris Dunn had just started to get into a rhythm defensively for sure. I wonder, I wonder if you could speak to Chris Dunn. I think... He's another forgotten guy that everybody's written off, but he was really in a groove, especially defensively. I thought he was really sort of proving his mettle when he got hurt. Yeah, agreed. I mean, the, the game against, uh, you know, you had Trey Young and Atlanta Hawks, and he yeah. played them really, really well. Yeah, he played them great. And, um, I mean, it, and the, but the Bulls did a good job of taking pressure off him. You know, they had mm-hmm. Sanaransky here and uh, Levine, so now Dunn doesn't have to have the ball as much. So right. now your impact of the game, now it changes. Now I don't have the ball as much. I have to do something to stay on the court. Oh, let me play defense, you know. And and you you, you find your way, and, and that's what he's been doing. So, bravo for him. In a perfect world where the Bulls are run well, they've got it. <laughs> right? Wow. Whoa, <laughs> just best line of the day. Where, and listen, I think I think the Bulls have good young talent. Laurie Markkinen. Exactly. Laurie Markkinen, I, I thought, was on his way to being an all-star. Maybe he still will someday. This season's been a step back for him. But let's say in a world where 
you build the infrastructure with young players, the role players, because you know what it takes to get a big free agent. You've got to have an infrastructure of typically like you've drafted pretty well. You have the role players, and then we're going to plug in Kawhi Leonard and um, Paul George. We're going to plug in Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant. Like that's why Brooklyn became a player in free agency because they developed. You know, they pulled guys off the scrap heap. Spencer Dinwiddie gets waived right. in Chicago, goes there, becomes you know a very good NBA point guard, and then star players looking. Okay, they've got the guys around me, like because I can't do it alone. Let's say the Bulls have that. Are they still a free agent destination with the LA teams with Miami? Would you, do you still imagine that guys look at Chicago if the thing's going well that big free agents would want to come here? If they knew you plug me in and, and, and that's a contender. Yeah, but you know, the Bulls have to have, you know, not only the Bulls, but other te- teams have to have confidence and, uh, take chance on, on, on things that they, that don't really go with the numbers. Like, uh, obviously we had a chance. I was a free agent. I had a chance to go with the Bulls this year. And I told my friends, we talk every day. I play, I play for this team with the team they have right now. We're making the playoffs. It has nothing to do with skill. It's just, I'm going to change the locker room in there. You know, that losing shit, that, that attitude, that, man, we got to, man, why we got practice? I, I'm not trying to hear that, bro. Like, you know, I'm, we, we lock in. What about the leadership the council? Yeah. <laughs> but, no, that's what it is, though. And that's why you have the Draymond Greens of this league who right. can take, you know, the Golden States and just take them to another level that you've never seen before. Now, so you know. I'd like to take, so, like, the glue guys, we were talking about it before. Who, who are some of the guys in the league that you admire that do the same thing that, for their team that you do for the Clippers, who are some of the guys that you? So obviously Draymond Green, right. uh, Marcus Smart, uh, Patty Mills. Yeah. You know, but you know, lost the you know lost art type of guys. Like you can have your stars and all that, but in order for those stars to be stars, you need those type of guys. Just like any other team. I mean, it's been happening for the years. It's been yes. happening for years. Lakers had Derek Fisher. It's been happening for years. But it, 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 uh, Boston at the time they had Rondo. You know, he everything didn't go through him. You know, he had the ball, but everything didn't go through him. He still was, was lacking in shooting and everything. So, you know, you need those good guys to be successful. When Marcus Smart sells a call, do you look at him <laughs> and let the competitiveness take over because you know he's bullshitting, or do you look at him with a little bit of respect? Respect. <laughs> respect. Do you ever feel guilty when you're like, I can't believe they gave me that one? No. Uh, no. Because I'm still pissed about the times where they didn't give me one. Yeah. And you know what Marcus says about that? He says for every call he gets defensively, he never gets any calls on offense because referees don't respect his game. And he's worked really hard at his three-point shooting. I know you have too. And he... You know, he, he can hit the three pretty well, but he never gets any call. You know, usually up there, if you just touch somebody, you get a call. Guys like Marcus Smart and Pat Beverly never get that call. They I'm don't. always, I'm always like on the, the evolving bullshit offensive players are getting away with, right? Like the rip through, but they oh, corrected it's awful. it, okay? Oh, that's so awful. And I don't know why the flop finds just all of a sudden stopped happening. I don't know if I missed something there. <laughs> I got one this year. You did? Yeah. They just send you a letter that it's less public? Yeah, I mean, what it, is you up? have in Twitter first. <laughs> What is up now with the off arm shove away and then like Sports Center will cut it up and be like be like, Oh, ankles, you're like, or a Heisman and like Harden Harden is brilliant at it, right? I mean he brings you in, it's a right arm and he's thick enough that he hides a little bit. 
And some guys are just chucking. It's like if you're going to let Giannis do an off-arm thing, like how – like when you go to a ref and be like, look, I get we all complain the whole time, but like this is this is something that's happening too much now and is putting a lot of the perimeter guys at a massive disadvantage. I mean, you just got to be – I mean, just – James Harden has been finding ways to get to the free throw line for years, right? He changes it all the time. I mean, it's actually impressive. He changes the game of basketball. He really does when it comes to going to the free throw line. So, if he's in, if he's watching film, like man, rewind that. What can I do? And I'm defensively now. I'm like, okay, he's doing that. So defensively, I have to go rewind that. What could I do? You know, he found ways to cheat the game. I I do the same. Guys, we we could do a whole nother one of these. We could. (laughs) I know we could keep going with these guys, but we've we've got to end it. Uh, this was a lot of fun. We appreciate all of you guys coming out. It is this is it is cold out there, uh, and uh, it's a lot of fun. This is this was a lot of fun. Appreciate all of you guys, the the our group at ESPN, and who who helped put this on, and uh, obviously Patrick for coming to do this. He's got a play tonight. Uh, for, for you to be a part of this and to get Ryan and Jackie in, really appreciate, really appreciative of it, guys. Thanks for doing this and, and, and have a fun, fun all-star weekend for you guys. The rest of you too. Enjoy. All right.